And uh, welcome to a special bonus episode of the House Conspiracy Podcast. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today we're doing a co-broadcast of another new Brisbane podcast, uh, Yarn Storytelling. Yarn is a long-running live storytelling event in Brisbane produced by Jasmine Fairburn and Ryan Sim, the latter of whom I'm talking to today. Uh, I did one of these live yarn stories a couple months back, and it was a total hoot. And when Ryan mentioned a podcast, I thought, very business-like, a single word, synergy. Anyway, the structure today is real simple. You're going to hear me and Ryan talk for about 20 minutes, and then you're going to hear a rebroadcast of one of the very first episodes of Yarn Storytelling with Ryan and Jasmine. And now, here's the ever-charming Ryan Sim. As per it. Um, hey, Ryan Sim, what did, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, what did I have? For, I had some muesli with some yogurt and some blueberries and some B1 Third honey. A little, little shout out. What is B1 Third? Uh, B1 Third um, is this guy named Jack, and he's basically uh, installed apiaries on the roofs of a lot of buildings in Brisbane, mm-hmm. but also the Gold Coast and uh, Byron Bay. Um, yeah, he's a real, real good boy, loves bees. A good b-boy. Good b-boy. Um, and, yeah, and, and it's... Uh, are we actually talking about this? That's, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, no, it's really cool, cool because, like, it's the idea of, like, there's this cross-pollination... Because there's such a diversity of plants in city areas and urban areas that it's really good for biodiversity and it's really good for the bees to mm-hmm. be pollinating those plants, apparently. There I'm not go. an expert on bees, but he is, and he explained it vaguely to me one time. Yeah, cool. In, like, layman's terms. I'm not smart enough to really, like... <laughs> grasp it fully but it sounds good and the honey's real good um, I got one I think I got the West End one actually and it's like really it's like caramel almost. oh yeah it's like very thick honey mm. oh, it's delicious yeah cool so it's like it's a West End one isn't it so, I don't think this is going to make it into the podcast so let's see um, so there's a bunch of businesses yeah. in West End and he's put acres on the roofs of those businesses right gotcha so pays, I think he pays rent yeah. for the rooftop and puts his acres in and then natives and then he comes in and, and, and um, harvests the honey yeah, so they're natives? Uh, they, I have no idea. No, native bees don't sting. No. Yeah. No, so they're just normal bees. Okay, so these ones sting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah they would sting. Yeah, okay, because I've got natives at home. They don't sting. They're good boys. They're <laughs> good. also good bee boys. Very, very stingy boys. <laughs> boys without stings. Uh, that's the name of my uh, band. Boys without stings? <laughs> Sounds like a dating website. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bumble. Boys that's what Bumble yeah, is. That is what, that, that's really true, actually. That's Bumble. Boys without stings. That's good. Boys without stings. Yeah. Hey, hey Ryan Sim, you you do a number of things. Um, you 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 I do. Just a, got so tired thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I guess like, oh, was, yes, I do. It was your trigger. You're just asleep. You, you you just need to snore at sort of a rhythm to my questions, and it'll be a good yeah, good exactly. show. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do you do things from running uh, comedy nights to doing your own comedy, mm-hmm. your own writing a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things you do, and the thing you're here to talk about, is not bees. Not it bees. is um, <laughs> it is uh, yarn. Yeah, yarn storytelling uh, is the official full title. Get it right, John. Oh my god, I'm off <laughs> brand. I'm off brand. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yarn storytelling—that's us. Um, based on the moth, um, I'm sure a lot of people 
um, who listen to this will probably be familiar with The Moth. They do stuff with NPR and all that sort of thing. Yeah. We base it off The Moth. It's not uh, It's not an open mic kind of um, system, which The Moth kind of use. You get we, pulled out of a hat then. In you? The Moth, yeah, yeah. For, the, for their standard events, it's like you get a theme, you come prepared with a story, and you might get on stage, whereas our events are curated. Like, we try and get people... People are from all different backgrounds, like, mm-hmm. is, the, is the goal. A lot of people from the arts, obviously, but um, a few of the best stories are, are from people, you know, working in more, uh, like, I don't want to say blue-collar industries. But blue-collar, white-collar, uh, Tamara Davis? Yeah, Tamara Davis. Had other, she was just on the news again. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. Um, a friend of mine, Josh Howes, who used to work for The Mines, and I think he works, he works for, he's had a number of jobs. He's amazing. He's an amazing person um but yeah he used to work fly and fly out for the mines as like a something to do with the safety coordination of of the mines out out in mount isa um and he told an amazing story a few uh last year i think or maybe it was 2015 even um we only do four years so it's hard to yeah it's hard to tell like they all seem so recent but they're like stretch out (laughs) yeah well you don't realize it's 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 quarterly as a as someone who who's both red and who goes regularly, it's yeah. like it, it comes around fast. Yeah, yeah. And is I that think, alarming for you as someone who does a lot of things and feels tired? No, um, I think that's kind of why we pulled back on it because it, it, when we first started, it was um, every two months, and then we noticed that we weren't getting like the crowds were sort of dropping off a little bit because it does cost us like it costs us venue hire and, and we pay everyone who comes in and speaks. So it was costing us money and then we, weren't, we didn't have enough punters to actually cover costs. So we're like, well, if we make it quarterly, then we'll probably have the same people coming back each time because it's just a, that little bit of extra space between each one. So, so yeah, and, and trying to get more diverse lineups and stuff like that, like both um, in terms of the traditional way we look at that word diversity, but also like back, like just like yeah. not just people from the arts. Yeah, diversity so in stories, diversities in, in viewpoints. and yeah. See all all that sort of stuff. That's really important to us. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you have recently shifted venues, right? Yeah. Well, this next one, so August eighteenth is our next event, um, and we have moved. We we for a long time we were just doing them at Black Bear Lodge, which is a great venue, and and it really treated us well. But the whole quarterly thing has worked a little bit too well. So we have a lot of people who are just standing room only, might not be able to see over the heads of the people in front of them. So we made the call to move to a theater. So we're moving to Metro Arts in the city. Um, and also we're moving to a Friday night. So I think I think all around it's, it's a good choice. Um, ticket price has gone up a little bit, but I think it's gonna be a, overall a better experience for people who, are, who have always supported us and have always been coming and also new people who wanna come and see what it's about. So feeling pretty optimistic about it yeah yeah it's change, in the, change is always scary but <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but you've you've held events at metro arts before we did right? one yarn yeah we did one yarn storytelling at metro arts as, as a special part of the special festival it's part of death fest wasn't death it fest, yeah yeah and um stories about grief stories about grief and it was great and it sold out and and i hope everyone who enjoyed that knows what to expect from this next one like it it's going to be good, yeah. Mm. Did you get a bit of a crossover there with, with the Metro audience? Definitely. I think, I think that, well, especially just the Death Fest marketing itself, I think, I think there are certain, there's a certain demographic that would have been very attracted yeah. to, to that marketing. And I think it is such an interesting and important thing to talk about, especially in the, um, the age of everything refreshing every 15 minutes and everything's great. It's like, no, no, well, I mean, 
let's take a step back and look at the issue of mortality and, and that sort of thing. Um, not, not, not even necessarily as a morbid idea, but yeah, yeah I, think, I think that was a really good... Even, even though Yarn isn't necessarily always dark and brooding like Deathfest kind of mm. might have been, um, I think we, we do focus on those... It's, it's a... We want, we want more... We want stories. We, we don't just want uh, snapshots. We want, we want stories from people's lives and, and we want to know who, who people are and want to be able to connect as a species better through, through story and, and that, that idea of empathy and that idea of... Um, yeah, yeah, we're all sort of here together and, and there's, there's a better understanding of the world by hearing people's stories, I guess. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that, actually, like, quite specifically, before we pivot to talking about the fact that you guys have started a podcast. Um, in sort of the modern age, 2017 or, or whatever, live storytelling, um, what, do you think, what do you think separates live storytelling from, say, listening to a recording? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think, um, and it's something, I think it's something that's very tacit, like when you're there, you, you get it. Cause I mean, it's not, it's not just the words that someone's saying, it's how they present. Yeah. It's how they behave on stage. Cause we don't have, we don't always have professional speakers. Like we, we get a lot of arts people, comedians, um, writers who've done readings before, but we also like, we don't necessarily focus on people who are pros at being on stage. And, and every now and then we get someone who might be a teacher, they used to just being in front of kids instead of adults. We, we, a whole range of people who get on stage and they're nervous and that's okay. That's yeah. part of who they are. And, and, and we don't really, like we do rehearsals and we do workshops with people and we don't really stress this idea of having to, the professional way to appear on stage. We, we don't stress that. It's more like, what is your story and what are you trying to say with it? Because however you are on stage is part of who you are. And I think, I think that's a particular... That's a pretty specific thing for us. I think you, you get people who aren't necessarily used to being on stage and they kind of... It's a different approach, I guess. It's yeah. a different approach. They, they, you really get to know a person <laughs> in, in a short sort of 10-minute 10 10 minute block and I think that's kind of special, yeah. And part of it is also, I think, how watching how people subtly react to the audience. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you see people get a laugh that maybe they weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of nice to see that happen in such a... It is a really supportive atmosphere. Mm. Um, like, the audience who come, whether they're new or whether they've they've been with for the past five years, they're always so ready just to hear what you have to say. And it's not that's not to say that every single person enjoys every single story that we have. We have, we have six people speaking um, at each event. And, and that's also kind of the point. Like, we, we're not trying to force anyone to, oh, you have to like this stuff because people are bearing their soul. It's like, if it doesn't resonate with you, that's great. But hopefully at least four or five of the six stories that you hear, you, you got something out of. And, and that's why we do the workshops and that's why we do the rehearsals. It's like the, the people speaking need to get something out of it as well as, yeah. as the audience. So we're trying to, like, curate this event that is kind of, Holistically like pretty, pretty valuable. Holistic. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you, yeah, you don't just want a speaker who comes in and, like you said, is a professional and they give yeah. the same talk and yeah. they they do it and it's great yeah, and yeah. the audience love it. Like, at a certain point, it has to. Yeah, it's a giving back thing. Like those rehearsals are really useful. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, they, they tr- saved the fuck that's out of my story. <laughs> <laughs> they're like 
they're like probably my favorite part of running this event is sitting down with people in a room um, not to discount the the importance that the audience plays because that's that's really mm. like even though even though it is like a very much you sit and you be quiet and you listen there is still like a, a interaction there um, so I don't want to discount that but for me being being the producer I really love like sitting down with people and and talking through like oh what are you trying to say mm-hmm. is this part relevant does that play into to the overall thrust of, of what you're trying to get across to people um, what you're trying to express in your in and of yourself like I, I enjoy that a lot I think I it's I don't know it's not really melancholy because I, I was going to say like you get this snapshot of someone's life and then and then you have to move on and start producing the next event it's, it's actually just enjoyable I think I think it is it is what it is and it is what it's supposed to be those those rehearsals I really really enjoy it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a similar, similar process, to, I guess. And I think that goes back to what I was saying before in terms of living, I was going to say living on social media, but living with social media so much where it's always like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Um, here's a meme. And then, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we're living on this 15-minute cycle at the moment. And just to sit down with some people, like with, with six different people and really just talk is really nice. And I think that's, that does translate to the to the live event, like the big night as well. That's that's what audiences come from. They just get to relax, have a have a wine and listen to someone really be honest. Yeah, and I guess maybe maybe you've just sort of bring up the social media thing. Like maybe the fact that it's live storytelling means that unlike with a recording or with something you've got open in your browser, yeah. <laughs> there's an ethic around not getting your phone out. Yeah. And not yeah, doing yeah, anything definitely. other that's, than that's, Yeah, we don't we never enforce that, but I also, it's never. It doesn't need to be. I don't never think. Seen, I've never seen that be an issue at any of our events. Like people are pretty engaged. Yeah. Which is, like I'm so thankful for that. Like like that's that's really important. Like I, I am really really grateful for the audience that we have in the community that we've kind of become a part of, which is nice. Yeah. 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 It's a good thing. And now you have translated it to a new medium. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, sort of. Yeah, for this brand new medium. Have you heard of it? It's called podcasting. I, I mean, a new medium for you. Yeah, for us it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we always we always film them. Um, yes. And, and then sort of slowly dribble them out. Dribble as them marketing out on, for the on next one. YouTube, because like it, it is a Brisbane-based project, and um, we don't want it to be limited to just people who who live in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, so so YouTube was really great, but also it's it's a thing. I I, I like the podcast better because jazz. Um, Jazz Fairbairn, who's the other producer, and I, we get to have a chat and it's kind of like us telling stories and interviewing each other to an extent and getting to know each other and, and hopefully the audience getting to know us as well. So from that point of view, it's like where the, where trying to, I guess it's always, it's, what am I trying to say? Giving a human face to the event as well. It's like, this is us. This is what we do and what we value and, and we're the guys who are running this event. So hopefully there's a bit more of a connection there. Um, but also like the idea, like with the YouTube videos of the stories, you got, you really got to sit and, and watch it on your computer and, and you, you got to be there. Whereas like with a podcast, you can be on the bus, you can be walking down the road. Um, yeah, yeah. You can be wherever and, and hearing it. And yeah, it's not the same experience, but even for people who were at the live event, it's like. Oh, I remember that story. I really enjoyed it. I just want to listen to it again. For people who've never been, they're like, "Oh, I'll check this out," and hopefully they'll come to a live event. And then, and then for people who don't live in the city and aren't able to come, then 
this is what we have for you. It's better than nothing. So. And you're using the podcast, uh, using the story, sorry, on the podcast to springboard the discussion that you then have. Basically, yeah, we choose we choose a story that we recorded at a live event, and be and and we'll play that on the podcast. But before we do, we we have a discussion. Um, uh, so, I mean, the first episode of the episode that you'll play is is just me and Jasmine just speaking. Um, the second episode we have Stephen Smith, mm-hmm. who I think. You know, he's a, he's a writer and yeah, a yeah, comedian yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And he's done Yarn um, a bunch of times as well. So so it's almost like uh, the format that we're going with, essentially we have two guests every <laughs> every um, episode because we have the recorded story and then we also have someone live in the studio like speaking with us as well. So Yeah, great. Um, it means you're kind of yeah. dealing, like locking in with a lot yeah. of different people in a short yeah. show. When I when I try and like pitch it to people like like to come on as a guest, they're like, "Oh, that sounds like a weird format," but it seems to have worked so far. I, I like I, I I take a lot from Snap Judgment. Um, I don't know if you've no, I haven't listened to that's Snap an NPR Judgment. podcast mm-hmm. and it's a storytelling podcast. But he he the guy who who hosts it he does a he usually does a big intro and tells his own story based on the theme of the recorded story. Okay, so he's like building up to the yeah, recording, yeah. and I think they take recordings from the Moth on that one so it, it was a similar idea and also there's another really underrated podcast I love called Crab Feast which is like an interview podcast but but it is like they have a list of stories that their guest has sort of given to them it's like and they talk through them so it's like a conversation rather than just like a performance right so it's like a stru- oh, structured sort of storytelling for someone else yeah yeah it's really cool it's a really cool huh. podcast Crab Feast yeah Crab Feast yeah yeah, yeah right and it's all comedians, so that like that kind of limits maybe the interest. But it is I, I love listening to it because comedians are good speakers. Yeah, exactly. Good, yeah. I mean, that's what a, yeah, a and they always is. they always have pretty crazy lives as well. It seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or, yeah. or regular lives that they've managed to exacerbate yeah. to some yeah. to some higher level. Um, but yeah, those those are the snap judgment and crafties were probably the two biggest influences for like putting together the yarn storytelling podcast mm-hmm. and trying to figure out a way to. Make it make it something new and separate to the event, but also really be a supplement to to the event the events as well. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. And I think that's what we're about to put on and listen to. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Ryan Sim, thank you for coming in. No, thanks for fitting me in. That's thanks all right. For fitting me into your busy schedule here at uh, you know Independent Arts Hub House Conspiracy. Thanks for being on brand, Ryan Sim. <laughs> Uh, when I am so far off brand. Um, and now here's the Yarn Storytelling Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. Rate, review. Snaps.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. To the Yarn Storytelling Podcast. This is our first ever episode. Uh, my name is Ryan Sim. And my name is Jasmine Fairbairn. And thank you for being here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're kind of learning as we go with this. It's been a day of technical difficulties. But, yes. but we're here now um, yes. with you in your ears, in your little ear holes, ready to talk 
Storytelling. In your brain. <laughs> um, we're the producers of the yarn storytelling uh, empire. Yes. <laughs> empire. <laughs> what a, wow. And what a what a formidable empire it is. It's so good. Yeah. Um, basically, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you for a little while, but then we're gonna play you a story that was told live at one of our recent live storytelling events, um, which you should all come to if you're not already coming to. But Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the story that we're going to hear is from a man named Will Benson. Yes. He's, um, he's a, he's, well, he's studying to be a high school teacher, but he's, he's done a lot by the sounds of it. He's, he's an electrician. He's, um, well, and he's lived everywhere and he's lived everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and he's super, he's going to be like the best high school teacher. Absolutely. He's going to yeah. be the one that everybody loves, you know, that's my impression. Yeah. yeah. Everyone loved him on the night. Basically mm-hmm. he told a story on our night, which was themed insomnia and I don't want to give too much away. So you'll see. Yeah. But, um, but it's a little scary. It's a little bit creepy. Oh, this, this sort of stuff creeps me out. Yeah, me, me too. A lot more than, like, I saw an actual ghost. Right. Like, when it's stuff that's playing inside of your mind. Right. That, for, for some reason, is, is, is a lot scarier. Yeah. I like that we're teasing the story right yeah. now. People are like, ooh, what's going to what happen? What happened? You'll hear. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Um, but guys, I guess before we get into it, um, please uh, make sure you are following us on Facebook, uh, yep. Yarn Storytelling. Twitter, yep. Yarn Storytelling. Oh, um, send us your email so that you can be on the newsletter. Oh, yeah. We've got a newsletter. That's, that's coming right. out soon. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, our, yeah. You should email us if you, if you want to get newsletters or if you want to tell a story or if you yeah. just want to say hello. Yeah. You can email us at yarn.brisbane at gmail.com. Easy. Easy peasy. I can't remember it, but I'm sure that you can. What was it again? <laughs> there was yarn, and then it was something to do with Gmail. There's something happening somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, email us, guys, and follow us on all the social medias. Yarn Storytelling everywhere. Um, you can get at myself on Twitter. My Twitter is at It's Ryan Sim. If you love bad jokes, that's all I tweet. You, you're killing it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I don't understand the, the tweets. <laughs> Jazz just got Instagram, though. I just got Instagram, and it's a it's a horrible... I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. And you're, you're Jazzmaniac. Jazzmaniac. Yeah. On Instagram, and Jasmine Fairbairn on Facebook. Yep. If you want to keep up with all our... Whining. All our business. <laughs> yeah, all our whining and, and business and... Things. <laughs> heavily air-quoted, that yes, word, business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess in terms of Will's story and in terms of... Um, what that brought up I mean well I guess I'll just speak for myself because obviously there's that creepy element of like not being able to trust right your own brain right but there's also this element of um so we can can we just say like the base of what happened in a story we won't ruin the story but it's just about his girlfriend being a sleepwalker basically yeah yeah, that's it. And then yeah. that way, we're not ruining anything. No but spoilers. But now you have an idea yeah. <laughs> of what we're talking about when it comes to being a little bit creepy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And not yeah. being in control of things yeah. that are happening. But there's also an element there about like sort of the safety of your bed. Yeah. The idea of trust. Yep. Trusting someone. Yeah. So so I think there's, there's this element of two-way trust where she trusts him enough to manage these situations and he trusts her enough to be able to manage right. these situations, which is really lovely. Um, and I guess just talking about that stuff, it brought up a couple of memories for me. Okay. 
Um, the first one, I'll go with the first one because it's a bit more creepy. Okay. I remember I grew up, uh, I grew up in Logan. Okay. In um, Southeast Queensland. Right. Grew up in Logan in Waterford on, um, on property. Okay. There, oh, like, okay. Like, kind so it's like acres type thing? Like 10 acres. Okay. Uh, of bush. Right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like did you koalas. have animals? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we saw koalas and wallabies right. and all that but sort of stuff. But did you own animals? Like, oh, just dogs. Like cattle? No, oh, okay. no. It wasn't like a farm. Okay. But, I get you. It was just yeah. like an acreage. Mm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like my parents built the house there and, mm. and basically lived there from when I was making memories to when I was in high school. Right. And there's kind of the story about when I was like, uh, we need to move. <laughs> Why? Basically, I must have been 14. Yeah. Let's say I was 14. Okay. And and my parents, there had been talk because I was now in high school and my, my sister's three years younger than me. So she was approaching high school. Right. They both live and work in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so I was going to high school in Brisbane. Oh, so you had to take like the bus? No, they drove because they, oh. they both live there. But it was like 20 minutes without traffic. Right. And there was traffic every single day. So, right. So, so it's it like was, an hour and a half. Commuting every day, probably. Oh, yeah, rough. something like that. Yeah. Um, and so they were talking about moving uh-huh. closer to where we went to high school and where they, when they worked. And I was like, no. Right. And we, and we kind of had a family meeting and and we were like, no, we like it here. Yeah. We can deal with the drive. Right. Then one night, not too long after that. Right. I'm laying in bed Uh in the bedroom that I've had since I was three years old. Right. So nothing scary there. You've, you've endured it already. Totally fine. Yeah. And outside my window, I hear this heavy breathing. Oh, that's unacceptable. (laughs) That is not okay. That's one word for it. Okay. But the thing is, have you heard possums? Yeah. Like the sound that possums make? Mm-hmm. I sat there for a minute and I was like, that's a possum. Right. It wasn't. I don't know. It was too steady to be a possum. Right. But like... But possums don't really make like a heavy breathing noise. They no, make like a like high-pitched, gr- horrible... <laughs> oh, I'm talking about like... Screeching. They do that thing sometimes, which is really disturbing. Australia has the most fucked animals because you get curlews as well, which is just like a woman shrieking in the night. Well, you have that in Canada as well, right? Like you have you have um, uh, cougars in Canada and they scream like women. Oh, my and God. And so like you're just sitting there and, and it is... It's like it's as if someone has stabbed an adult woman and she's dying horrendously <laughs> from like a bloody wound in her side. It's like, it's, it's like, you know this how is, stomach wounds like take a long time to die. That's what it's this like. Is, <laughs> the lullaby that lulls yeah. you to sleep. <laughs> That's like so, Canadians are so delightful. But living on bush, like, yeah, we always had the curlews and that yeah. was disturbing. Yeah. And then like the, the sound I'm thinking with the possums is like the gruff sort of like sound okay. that they make sometimes. Okay. Okay. But this was, I, I lay there for a minute. I'm like, it's just an animal. But then it's like, it's too steady. It was human. In and out. Oh. And I didn't know what to do mm. because I didn't know what to do. So for some reason I got up, like I was like kind of panicky. I don't know it's, it's weird how your brain works in these yeah. situations. I don't even know what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so I got up and, and like went, cause my bed was against the window. So I went to my door, yeah. but I turned on the light for some reason. Right. Well, I would turn on the light if I was worried. But about I can't something. see outside the window cause no, it's dark. No, but like it's like an immediate comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely immediate comfort. I, don't know why I never, I never told my parents any of this. <gasps> I never told my parents any of what? this. And I think, um, after a while it might've just Gone stopped. Away. See, see, this is the, where the memory disappears. So like, were this, you sleeping maybe though? That's what I was, that's what I'm thinking. And that's what this story kind of makes right. me think. It's like how much of this memory that I now have yeah. is, is actual fact. Right. 
what did it actually sound like? Yeah. And why didn't I tell my parents? Like, did it just stop? So I went back to bed. So I thought it was fine. Because, yeah, like, totally normal to yeah. feel, like, absolutely terrified yeah. and then be like, oh, well, it stopped. Guess I'll just go back yeah. to sleepies. Then it must have been a couple of weeks later. Uh-huh. We had a really long driveway. So Acreage, uh-huh. we had this really long driveway. Right. Found a switchblade on our driveway. Oh, unacceptable. Of, like, a butterfly knife. No. Found a butterfly knife. Oh. And then around the same time yeah. so so my so my parents were aware of the, right. the switchblade that we found on yeah. our driveway then around the same time in the lot next door to us yeah. so the acreage that was next door no house just bushland but some guy owned it yeah my dad and my uncle found a little hut like a <gasps> unabomber style oh, shack oh my god you had you had a hobo living there there was a hut on the other property filled with porn oh and like a potato gun. Cool. It's like the ghost of Ned mm. Kelly was living there. <laughs> Made out of PVC piping. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they, so he called the owner of the acreage and they like destroyed yeah. the hut and stuff. But kept the porn on. <laughs> probably kept the porn, let's be honest. <laughs> Come on. Um, and, but then very soon after that, I was like, no, we should move. <laughs> we need to get going. We should <laughs> We got to get out of here. That's messed up. Because it's kind of like there's a certain amount of charm to a childhood yeah. like that. Get, yeah. Growing up with bushland and yeah. stuff and, and being able to... To go on bushwalks, but then the but, flip side of that is all, all the creeps. That's why I hate the country. It's so much easier to get murdered in the country than I, it is in the city, see, which I, is untrue. But it like, is untrue. And I think, I think in my of, mind, yeah, I can see why you feel that way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I think that's so that is so creepy about the country, and it's something. It's something like um, Stephen King really nails that idea mm-hmm. of like country being creepy in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that until I recently went to Dalby. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I can feel it now. And that's not even <laughs> country. That's just like a small town. But there's I've some, been to Dalby. <laughs> there's some sort of evil living there in the sewers. So yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it's just I think it's like the lack of witness. <laughs> yeah. Like in the city, I feel like witness. Someone will see. Surely someone will step up if something horrible happens and it's well, like, you see so many examples of that not happening. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's right. People are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's creepy. The only, the only thing that I've ever done when I was a kid with sleepwalking was we moved to a new place mm-hmm. and um, I had to take the bus mm-hmm. to the new place, mm-hmm. to the new school. And because it was the 80s, nobody showed me where I was taking the bus to or from. It was just like left up to me. Such a different time. I was nine. Just go, go out. Bye. We hope you come home. Right? Now the kid is like on a string attached. Yeah. Like, like attached to home. I'm it's the, like a yeah, sort of bungee cord. No, we like, don't cut the umbilical cord yeah. anymore. They just keep, that's how we keep them close. But man, like I, I was put on the bus and I got off at the wrong stop. Mm-hmm. And ended up walking, wandering this neighborhood. We just moved in the day before. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know, in a completely new neighborhood. So I wandered around for 45 minutes and then found my house. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in the door, my mom was like, oh, you were, where were you? That's it. Not, oh my God, I've been on the phone <laughs> with the police. <laughs> where have you been? So that night, I had a dream about the bus driver, right? And I was talking to the bus driver and I was saying to the bus driver... I can't find my mom and dad. Can you help me find my mom and dad? And apparently I was in my parents' room talking to my mom and saying, where's my mom and dad? And my mom was like, we're right here, Jasmine. Go back to bed. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. But 
where is my mom and dad? And I remember being in the dream, being like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating. Why won't they take yeah, me to my yeah, mom I and dad? Yeah, I just want to go home. And my mom finally just lost it and just pushed me back to bed. And I woke up the next morning thinking like, man, I don't want to get on the bus today. Wow. <laughs> Nothing creepy though. The bus is traumatic. The bus is traumatic. <laughs> like infiltrated your nightmare. Yes. So uh, scary. But yeah, we used to watch a lot. Did you watch horror movies when you were a kid? Not when I was a kid. I remember the first the first horror movie I really got, like because I was allowed to, was Alien. Right. How and, like old I were turned you? I turned fifteen, and because oh. like it was the the rating system right. it was like M fifteen plus or whatever, and right. I was like. Now 15, 15 now, I want to see this. Right. That was great. Did you regret it? No, I loved oh, it. Was it. Good. Yeah, so it was, it was really an appropriate great. age. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> In this same house. Rules make games fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how my parenting style is yeah. now. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it works because my parent, my parents' parenting style, like I said, in this in this house, I was eight and we we had my birthday, which was around Halloween. Yeah. Right? And so for my birthday party, we had a slumber party and we watched Fright Night when I was eight. Right. Okay. And when you were eight. When I was eight. And Silver Bullet. <laughs> I haven't seen Silver Bullet. Of no, okay. No, no. So f- have you seen Fright Night? I, I vaguely know what Fright Night is about. Okay. So it's Fright like Night. Prom no, night? No. No. It's about vampires. Oh, okay. So it's about, Fright Night is about um, how these teenagers live next door to vampires. They okay. move in, they live next door to vampires and the vampires come and get them nice right uh and then silver bullet is about werewolves, werewolves yeah and Corey Haim was in it he was my oh, favorite okay. and it's written by stephen king okay and so this was the appropriate level mm-hmm. for an eight-year-old slumber party yeah sure yeah and so like i didn't have to like it, it was not hard for me to have terrible nightmares <laughs> yeah, on right. a constant basis i just didn't act on them even as an adult I'm terrible. Yeah. Do you sleepwalk? <laughs> I don't sleepwalk, but like, uh, I remember I went and saw, um, I went and saw The Ring, the American oh, version of The Ring. No. I didn't sleep for like two weeks. Okay. I, 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 it's like, I have like, it's so, maybe that's what, I wish I could enjoy horror movies more. I right. wish I could be those people who just love horror movies. Yeah. Because it doesn't, they, they are unable to confuse reality with fantasy. Yeah. But like when I'm lying in my bed at night, oh. and maybe it has something to do with hearing human breathing outside my window when I was 14 years old. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just like, no, is there something real? There's something real about it. And it's like, what if... Because like... (laughs) It happened with It Follows as well. Have you seen It Follows? I haven't seen It Follows. And that was like last year. No, (laughs) see, here's the thing. I'll tell you this. I hate, because of my parents' insistence on me watching horror movies at Mm. an inappropriate age, and also Unsolved Mysteries. That was Mm -hmm. huge. My parents Mm -hmm. loved watching Unsolved Mysteries. I remember watching it from when I was six. Great. And it's uh, horrifying, horrifying, right? Yeah, it's and, incredibly uh, disturbing. That music but... still makes me want to pee my pants. Like, it's so scary. So I hate horror movies, but my husband loves them, yeah. right? He's one of those people that isn't affected by horror movies yeah. at all. He could read, he reads terrifying things, and then just like, I'm off to bed, snore. <laughs> like, he's fine. Um, but I remember, so I'd go to these horror movies and I remember went, going to see Sixth Sense, which is not technically a horror movie, but is... It's got some spooky bits in it. Absolutely terrifying. All the different ways people die. We did not sleep with lights on, like without lights on yeah. for a week Yeah. together. He was like, can we turn the lights off? I was like, no, you made me watch a scary movie. Stuttering St- Stanley. No. <laughs> no. And so then... It's so disturbing. So the scariest... So then uh, I, I went to these movies and then we went and saw The Ring. Oh. 
And in the first 30 seconds, if you've seen the ring, there's like, they're at a funeral. And then the one woman says to the other woman, yeah, but you didn't find her. And then it cuts to oh, her in the closet yeah, yeah. and her face is all green and long yeah, it's and really, scary. Yeah, it's really And weird. it's like, ah! Yeah. And um, Cam turned to me and was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was going to be so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, once I'm in it, he knew. once I'm in it, I can't get out because I, my imagination yeah. can imagine way worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, not, the ring was probably on par with what my yeah. imagination yeah. could come up with. Yeah. It was so scary. So I have refused to watch any scary movie, not a single one since that movie. It's really, it's really strange though. Cause like, yeah, those horror movies, like, mm. f- like the supernatural yes. kind of that freaks me the hell out oh, no. freaks me the hell out but i love watching like documentaries about real life events like what like you know like the keepers on netflix right now which is Mm-mm. real and horrifying it's something that really happened but it doesn't like keep serial me... killer type stuff serial killer oh, okay type so stuff. you're okay with serial killer type stuff if i get the facts and yeah. i get the history of it and right. it's very like and, and it's very, like, reportage, kind of yeah. like, yeah. this is what happened and when. Like, yeah. you know, like, I love listening. When I go running, I listen to the last podcast on the left. Right. Which is all about, like, serial killers and, right, right, right. and I think conspiracy of, theories yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. See, um, I, I, don't, I don't like any of that stuff. I'm not a big You're too fan. pure. <laughs> I'm not pure. I'm just like weak and, <laughs> and terrified. There's something about, like, like the real life. Uh, fact, yeah, factual kind of storytelling element of of things that really happen. Almost it, for me, at least, it's like okay, let's understand this, right? So humanity doesn't make the same mistakes Mistake in over the again. future. Yeah. Whereas when it's a movie and it's fantasy and it's supernatural and it's horrific, it's just like oh, this is just this could happen. This is just in my brain now. Yeah. This is just in my brain, and there's no well, solution to it. Absolutely. <laughs> and here's the thing that I tell my kids now because my son is uh, 11, almost 12, and then my younger one is eight. So my oldest one is like me. He in the daytime, a little sweetie pie. Yeah, in the daytime, <laughs> we feel like we can handle these things right it was acceptable to handle these things but once dark comes no right it's a whole big pile of nope and um so like when i when i first had my son the worst thing about it was that he was getting up all night and i had to breastfeed him in the middle of the night okay. by myself in uh, a rocking chair with a baby uh, it was just like you know like it was really creepy the image of yourself was what was creeping it was, you yes, out <laughs> Like, like with crazy hair and a rocking chair with this tiny baby. What if the baby looks up and his face is covered in blood? And Cam you know, walks in and he's just like, look. <laughs> terrifying, right? So I remember, I remember having to be like, look, you've got kids now. You can't be afraid of these things anymore because you have them. You have to protect them and blah, blah, blah. Yes. So then it became more about being afraid of serial killers who were real. Oh. I could have handled serial killers before. But now I can't handle it either. Because you, your hands are full. Because <laughs> you can't run from serial killers when With you have a baby, baby attached to you. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. So, terrifying. yeah, I, I am not a big fan of... Any uh, spooky stuff. No. And, like, I've pushed the envelope. Like, my husband insisted on me watching Walking Dead. Mm. And zombies were a big thing for me of being afraid. Specifically because after having babies, they're gonna, babies are going to fuck that up for you. They're going to cry, get get their attention, they're attached to you, so zombies are going to go straight for them. How do you kill a zombie with a baby? And they're going to, they're weigh a lot. How do you run? Right? 
So, it's the moral of the story. <laughs> Don't have, Don't have kids. Zombie apocalypse. Totally. Think about your future, guys. 100%. What are you going to do? 100%. And I always find it really interesting because my oldest son has decided that he wants to watch scary things. That's what he wants to do because his friends are watching scary things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I've had to say to him, you have to be careful because you can't unsee certain things. And if and what if you do end up like you end up with sleep paralysis? Or you end up with sleepwalking and you've already got this bank of things in the back of your he, brain that it's just going to bring out yeah. when you're like... And he already does sleepwalk, right? Oh, does he, he does really? Have, like, oh. like little, little kid versions of sleepwalk. He doesn't pee on anything, which is common for kids to sleepwalk, which mm-hmm. I'm thankful for. But he does get up and he'll sort of come downstairs and he'll be like, I can't sleep. And I'm like, well, baby, you're sleeping right now. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he'll turn around and go back upstairs and go back to bed, right? Very sweet. But my youngest son, he loves scary things. Loves. And he's creepy. <laughs> he's a creepy I'm looking kid. at photos of your kids right now. Yeah. And your eldest son looks like you. And your youngest son looks like Cam yeah. as well. It's and like so perfect. Yeah, it is. And he, and he, um, he loves like, he loves super, super <laughs> creepy things. If we were ever doing a horror movie, Rowan would be perfect for that creepy kid. Just the kid like, who like... <laughs> you would be so good at it. <laughs> Just singing a nursery rhyme a yeah. little bit too slow yeah. you know in that, the corner. Have, yeah, have you seen that episode of The Simpsons where um, Marge says... There's just something so unnatural about a so, flying a kite yeah. at night, and then Marge and then Bart turns around and goes, "Hello, mother dear." Hello, mother dear. And that's exactly my youngest son. <laughs> that's He's wrong. super creepy like that. He loves he loves this show called Five Nights at Freddy's, where it's yeah, it's so scary. Wow. It's about these like animatronic um, um, things in like an old abandoned pizza place, and if you you have to look at them or they'll move, and and he loves it. Oh my. God. I know he's so scary. Such a I'm raising crew. Stephen King <laughs> yeah. or a serial killer. I'm hoping for Stephen King because he makes money. Well, that you actually reminded me when you said <laughs> he makes money. <laughs> when you said at least they don't pee on anything. Yeah. So I spent um, I spent a good portion of my life playing in bands. Right. And there's an economy. Yeah. Of being in a punk band where it's like, I'm going to come to Sydney. I'm going to sleep on your couch. Of course. And you guys are going to come to Brisbane. and You're going to sleep on our couch. Right. And um, I have a fr- we're still friends, still friends. This didn't ruin anything. <laughs> but um, he was in he was in a number of different bands. So yeah. like well, like you all interact with the same people over the years. And so on a number of occasions, he had come to Brisbane, mm-hmm. and he was a sleepwalker. Uh huh. And he peed <gasps> in a clothes drop. Oh no! He peed on a sandwich maker. <laughs> <laughs> And I think one night after it happened, <laughs> one night after it happened, one of the other bandmates was like, you're sleeping on the balcony. Yeah. You gotta sleep out on the no, balcony. No, but that's even scarier. What if he jumps off? I know, right? They were just like, no, it's, it's worth it at this point. <laughs> you peed on everything. <laughs> You've marked all the territory. Which, like, which honestly was like probably the most punk rock thing anyone in that circle of friends has ever done. <laughs> like, where we're just like... <laughs> Where I was like going to new cities. Oh, so where are the good vegan places to eat? It's like he's like just pissing on everything. He's like, yeah, that's punk rock. But that's not punk like rock. not consciously, not like not as a big fuck you, but just as like I'm this is just what we do. Has anyone ever said to him, you need to go pee before you go to bed? Oh, uh, I I'm sure. Don't drink after six. I'm sure. No liquids after. Go six easy on the Pepsi. <laughs> I don't want to sleep with Fuller. He wets the bed. Oh, man. That's rough. 
pretty rough. I think he, he got it under control. I think he just had to kind of figure out a way to be like... Okay with it? Yeah. <laughs> just like... I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I'd just be like... I guess you'd have to get a catheter. I peed on your sandwich maker. <laughs> I guess I'm buying you a new what sandwich. What do you do? Maybe it becomes, in the end, it becomes cheaper to just get a hotel room because whatever you pee on in there, you can just walk away yeah, from. Exactly, yeah, exactly. As opposed to replacing something yeah. for someone else. I guess point being, I'm I'm very glad I'm not a sleepwalker. Oh. It, I think it's really, it's very unsafe. Like you, I feel unsafe about it because, yeah. and this is my mom coming up, but like if you, cause okay, my husband is also a sleepwalker. Wow. Right? And, um, and he was when he was a kid, whenever he is sick, he has a fever, he is sleepwalking or he's in like talking or he's doing something right yeah. stress and fevers do you want me to put her back to bed we've got a dog here by the way this you is can my hear the jingle. and you can hear her jingle jingles yeah. we can she's... take off her collar no i think she's okay okay um so he he once when he was a kid he was really sick and he had a nightmare that he went into his parents bedroom and they were dead <sighs> And so he ran to the next door neighbor's house in real life. He ran to the next door neighbor's house at one o'clock in the morning, smashing on their door, smashing on their door. And they opened the door. Oh my God, Cameron, what's wrong? And he's like 11, right? Oh my God, Cameron, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, um, and he's like, he couldn't verbalize what was happening in his head. So oh he just my said, God. my house is falling in half. And they were like, I'm pretty sure it's not because I can see it. And like they had to convince him to go home. Wow. Right? So that's kind of the level of his sleepwalking. And like there's a lot of times, um, so I sort of like uh, understand where our storyteller is in this situation because my husband does a lot of these things where um, I've now gotten used to it because we're together for like 20 years. And now I can feel it. He'll tense up right before he's about and I like I've got it now in my sleep where if I feel intense I sort of clamp my hands down on his arm and just I'm like you're dreaming you're dreaming it's okay you're just dreaming and he'll calm down but he's had times where he is like gathered up all the blankets on the bed and like aggressively wrestled them to the ground right in the middle of the night or one time I swear to god (laughs) I know I swear to god he went from fully prone to on his hands and knees mm. without touching the bed. Just like, no. it's like he levitated. No. And then he crawled off like the end of the bed. Like a spider person? Yes, like a spider oh. person. And then he crawled off the end of the bed and he was like, roar! Like he's, and he's a big guy. And it's so scary. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. When we were first together, because I'm Canadian and I come from, when we first came here, I would look the wrong direction when I crossed the road. Sure. And almost get hit by a car all the time. Yep. And he was afraid of it. So one time I woke up um, midair because he had thrown me Aww. from one side of the bed into the air onto the other because he was having a dream that I was trying to cross the road. And he was he saved me. In reality, he almost broke my ribs. Oh but my God. in the dream, he was like the hero. That's the thing. That's that. I think that is why this sort of stuff terrifies me mm. more. Yeah. Than de- like like this idea of the stuff that you see, yeah. the stuff that you consume every day through your eyeballs. Yeah. It lives in the back of your brain somewhere. And if you have these problems, if you have sleep paralysis or if you have sleepwalking. It can come out. It comes out. How you don't, And there's no way, because you're in your brain. Yeah. You're trapped in your brain. Like yeah. that's the worst thing to me. Like yeah. that's some Black Mirror shit. <laughs> that is some Black Mirror yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, should we 
I move think, to our story? I think so. I think that Great. we've... we've We've, what, warmed them up? Warmed them up. <laughs> Do you guys feel warm? <laughs> Do you guys feel warm? Um, cool. Well, uh, this is a story from Will Benson. It was told at Black Bear Lodge mm-hmm. in May. Yeah. 24th of May? I think so. Let's say it was the 24th of May. Sure. And I'll, I'll, we'll do a correction <laughs> next next time if we need to. We need to. Um, yeah, Will Benson, Black Bear Lodge, 24th of May. The theme was insomnia. Enjoy it, guys. Enjoy. Stage, ladies and gentlemen, your first act tonight, Will Benson. Hi, guys. Well, um, standing in front of Spartans doesn't really make me feel any less nervous, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, my story of insomnia uh, started about 12 years ago. Um, I just started dating a girl named Kath who I'm still dating today and is here tonight. I have to thank her for letting me tell these stories too. Um, So I just started dating Kath and I was still trying really hard to impress her. Um, One morning I went around to her house. We both lived in Newtown in Sydney, so all the houses were quite damp, dank uh, townhouses. And as I walked down her hall, I noticed on my right side, her bedroom had been completely trashed. and I, I turned to her and I, I said, you know, has someone, has someone broken in? Is everything okay? And, and Kath was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, it's all cool. Um, but like any normal person, I was pretty worried because it wasn't trash just like any normal university student's room with clothes and whatnot strewn everywhere. A, a big, like, seven-foot-tall um, wardrobe had been pulled down and there were boxes on top of the wardrobe and the, the boxes had, had smashed and the contents had strewn across the room. Everything on her desk had been pushed off to one side. So I pushed her about it when we went out for breakfast. And eventually Kath said, you know, it's no big deal. Um, last night I sleptwalked. Um, and at that point, it was more important to me that I had a girlfriend uh, than <laughs> the fact that she might trash her room at night. So I went along with it. I understand now that that was one of uh, a reoccurring theme of dreams that Kath has, where something's trying to burrow through a wall and she tries to stop it. And that night she'd dreamt that something was burrowing through the wall behind her wardrobe. So she moved everything off her desk and she climbed up on top and slid her arms behind the wardrobe, offsetting the balance and smashing it all over her room. Um, I can only imagine how that felt for her housemates. So, for the next couple of years, I didn't really witness any severe sleepwalking. There was plenty of sleep talking, um, which is only mildly disturbing. You know, most of the time it's kind of funny and you laugh it off afterwards. Uh, one thing that happens quite often is that Kath will sit up in bed and tell me to stop what I'm doing, which is usually sleeping peacefully. <laughs> and it's quite successful. Uh, so... Nothing much had happened for a couple of years. I thought everything was cool. But as I know now, there are a few things that set off sleepwalkers. Um, when, when you sleepwalk, your brain actually has a natural physiological switch uh, through the synapses. Your, your synapses are flooded with a chemical which stops your body from moving while your subconscious is dreaming away. For people who sleepwalk, 
that chemical is either flooded too much or not quite enough. And so when they open their eyes at night, their brain, although it registers what's going on in the room around them, their subconscious doesn't stop dreaming. And everything kind of melds together in this weird mess. That happens commonly when you're in somewhere that's unusual to you. If you're at home, you'll open your eyes and you'll see your wardrobe or you'll see your partner, you'll know that you're in bed, you'll know you're at home and you'll be able to go back to sleep. But when you're somewhere unusual, you don't have those visual cues and your body starts going crazy. The first time that I really witnessed a proper sleepwalk uh, was about two years into our relationship and I'd gone to visit Kath's parents in Grafton, not far from here. Um, Kath's parents at that point had moved out of the family home and they were staying in like a, a new style McMansion type place with all tiled floors. Everything was a little bit cheap but it was still quite nice. Um, <laughs> Kath, uh, Kath woke up at about maybe two in the morning um, and I, I remember hearing her footsteps pad across the tiled floor and she walked up to the door. The door handle was horizontal and she grabbed hold of the door handle. Instead of turning it, she began to shake it. Uh, and she's only a slight woman, 55 kilos, but when I say she shook it, she was shaking it as hard as she could. Her whole body was like reaching back and forth. Her hair was frothing back and forth across her face. I couldn't really see who it was by that point, but when I woke up, I was quite scared. And Kath started making this, this moaning noise and I sat up and I, at that point, my half asleep brain thought that maybe it was like a bathroom emergency and she'd forgotten how to open the door. So I said, twist, twist. <laughs> and she turned back to me and began pacing towards me. And it was at about that point when I realized that something was really wrong. Uh, her, her fists were clenched tight and she'd raised her shoulders and dropped her chin like a good fighter does and she was coming quite close to the bed. <laughs> I know now that at that point she was having a dream that she was, she'd been kidnapped and she was being held somewhere. And because when she opened her eyes and she saw a, a shitty made a home um, that was nothing like any place we'd ever lived, she thought that this this subconscious that was playing in the back of her mind needed to be acted upon right now and she was trying to get out the door. After I tried to convince her to turn the doorknob and that didn't work and she started walking towards me, I realised that I was in trouble and I didn't know what was going on. Um, now I know better how to deal with these situations but at the time I tried to call out Kath stop and it came out the way a 40 year old woman would scream, Kath stop! And the fact that I didn't use my regular voice was further uh, <laughs> enforcement for her to continue dreaming. She didn't punch me, which is great. But I did shock her awake. I know that now. That's a terrible way to wake a sleepwalker. If you, if you come across a sleepwalker, talk to them with your regular voice, question what they're doing. And that should be enough to force their subconscious back down and have them question the reality that they're seeing around them. Also, that was the weekend that I learnt Kath's mum is an absolute badass. Uh, she heard someone struggling with a door inside the house. And instead of calling the cops, she grabbed a golf club <laughs> and walked the perimeter. Yeah. 
not really the first impression that you want to make on a girl's parents. Um, so over the years, we've been together for a long time, and I have many more stories I'd love to tell you. Um, one crazy one was uh, we were staying in a hotel in Beijing, um, and Kath dreamt once again that we were uh, locked somewhere, and she tried to use a coffee table to break a floor-to-ceiling window on the 30th floor of our apartment block to get out. Yeah, scared the crap out of me. Um, but the one I'll tell you about tonight was the one where I was... I, I saw what she was dreaming. We'd, we'd gone to a holiday town in, in China. It's called Pingyao. It's quite a small place. It's an ancient city or ancient walled city. We went there at Christmas time and nobody goes to Pingyao in Christmas time because it's about minus 15 degrees and they've got no central heating. So we went there thinking it would be a fun getaway. Um, it, was, it was weird, as many things in China are. But in, in this 300-room hotel, there was only maybe four or five rooms that were made up, of which we were the only guests staying in one. Uh, on Christmas Eve, there was a Christmas party in the hotel. Some people drank too much and decided that they needed to stay there. So the housekeepers were trying to show them room to room to find a room that they'd like, and they forgot that one of the rooms was lent out already. <laughs> and they just came into ours at about 11.30 at night. and gave us a big fright. We woke up. There was a lot of laughter. People walked out. It was all cool. But about four or five hours later, Kath sat up in bed. And when, when you're in a hotel and it's minus 15 there, are blackout curtains on all the windows, and they throw on like four or five dunas onto the bed, so there's a lot of weight holding you down, just trying to keep warm. And Kath sat up and she said, Will, she's back. And I sat up and I couldn't see a thing. Like It was so dark, you could wave your hand in front of your face and you wouldn't see a blur. And my sleeping brain didn't click that Kath was asleep. All I thought was, you know, how can you make that same fucking dumb mistake twice in one night and come back into our room? But Kath started to panic and she started to try and throw the dunas off. And she was saying, Will, Will, she's in the room, she's at the end of the bed. And I was trying to find a light switch, but, you know, I, I didn't know where the light switch was. There was one of those piece of shit, uh, pieces of art that, uh, you know, uh, you buy it feeding and bargains behind the bed and I was knocking that off the wall trying to find the light switch and all the time Kath is trying to thrash at the dunas to try and get out of bed and to me that felt like someone crawling onto our bed and I turned around and I swear I could see this housekeeper crawling onto our bed and Kath was screaming she's on the bed she's on the bed I found the light switch and there was nothing there and Kath said she's in the bathroom she's in the bathroom I jump out and I'm starkers, but it's minus 15, so I get cold fast. I can't find anyone. And as I'm searching our studio hotel room, it dawns on me that Kath's asleep. And I said, are you asleep? And she looked at me and said, yeah. <laughs> and my heart was beating so hard that I could hear the blood fizzing through the veins in my head. But if you wake a sleepwalker lightly, it's, it's like it never happened. And Kath rolled over and went back to sleep. 
A couple hours later, she woke up because I was still watching the Weather Channel in Mandarin. I said, you know, dude, I was dreaming, you know, it's nothing to be freaked out about. But I tell you what, if someone sleepwalks when you're in the room, it can be fucking scary. <laughs> and that's what keeps me up at night. Thanks, guys. Will Benson. The House Conspiracy Podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org slash donate, and you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening.